This After Dark podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Hi, Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys here, proud sponsor of the Universal After Dark podcast, How would you like to be among some of the first guests to stay at Universal's new property, the Aventura Hotel? Aventura opens this August and is another great option to consider when staying at Universal. You can get early entry benefits, transportation to and from all the parks, and have views of any of the three parks. At the end of a long day, have a drink in style on the new rooftop bar. Book a four-night stay with me to get 20% off your stay with rates as low as $116 per night along with a $50 food and drink credit. You must book by June 15th and travel dates are August 16th through December 20th. Mention this ad to stack your savings and get $25 off your deposit. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com or any social media at WPMagicJourneys. Welcome to Universal After Dark, a Universal podcast that's not the same as all the others. Oh, I was just about to say hi. You can say hi now. Actually now? Actually now. Hi and welcome to this week's Universal After Dark. I am your host, as usual, Amanda. And I'm joined today by my two bestest buds in the whole world. So I have Nick. Hello. And I have the return of Chris Ripley. Good evening. How art thou? Oh, we've just missed you so much. Well, I, yeah, well, I've missed you. I feel like it's been a very, very long time. Yeah. Well, I think I was about a bit in July and I had a lot in June. And we'll be now August. I haven't been on anything in August, I don't think. I'm not, I mean, I'm not even so on my far. other. No, you haven't. But no. literally, everyone's had to rely on me for Halloween Horror Nights things. And some things I get right, some things I just wing it. Oh, but you're dead, boss. I mean, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm, all right. I'm all right. But all right. I'm so glad to have you back because you can say, yes, Amanda, you're right. Or you can say, well, actually, no. <laughs> well. There'll be, there'll be no more wells on this show. <laughs> I feel like my well now, like I know that I inherited it from Jim Hill and so did Chris, but uh, that's turned into I mean. <laughs> so every time, well, I mean, no. Yeah, well, a new slogan for a t-shirt is both. So every cloud. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this isn't slogans after dark. This is universal after dark, yeah. and uh, quite a lot's happened. Since we last recorded an episode, I feel like I had a plan today to do like a certain thing. I wanted to do a, a keep 
refurb and replace, but I don't honestly think we're going to have time to do it. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, we might fit in at the end. Who knows? We might get through this really quickly. But before we get into any of that, let's start like we always do with what we're drinking. So, Chris, because you haven't been on for a while, we're going to start with you. Where are you drinking? Um, do you know what? Actually, I'm just leaning across my desk and looking. And yes, I'm drinking a cold cup of tea. Oh, fancy. See? God, that was tenuous. It's got, it's got <laughs> caffeine in it. <laughs> you know, I don't mind cold tea. Like, I know that everyone in America is, like, really super into their cold brew coffee right now. I don't really mind cold tea either. Yeah, me too. Like, I don't know if, like, I have soy milk in my tea. Mm. So I don't know how it would be with, like, cow's milk. It's 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 fine. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I say that as someone who drinks about <laughs> two cups of tea a year, if he's lucky. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't make that much difference if it's normal milk or, or plant milk. Or, you know, milk alternative. Like, it kind of just still tastes the same cold. So, I see. Well, yeah. what are you drinking there? Oh, my God. Uh, we've been sat here having a little <laughs> old chat, catch up for about <laughs> the last 45 minutes before we even hit record. And I've been sat here staring at this bottle of uh, Heineken, which comes oh. in an aluminium bottle or aluminium. Um, but unlike the Budweiser ones, this has actually got a proper thing on it. So... Might it should make a noise? Hang on. Oh, I just snapped my bottle open. Hang on. Oh my god. Oh wow. There you go. That. Yes. Um, okay. Well, that bottle opener wasn't very good. It was a freebie, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, even though it's been sat out of the fridge for forty-five minutes, it's still icy cold. So cheers. <laughs> You know, when you were saying that you had an aluminum bottle, I was very convinced that you were going to be drinking Budweiser. I didn't even think Heineken. I got it in um, our favourite supermarket, Asda. Oh. I have a supermarket that's available. Um, I don't know why they've started sending them in aluminium bottles, but um, it's a bit more expensive, but it, it comes in an aluminium bottle, so I had to have one. So. Can, can I feel I... like... Oh, go on, Chris, sorry. sorry. No, go on, Amanda, go, go. Oh, well, I, all I was going to say was it wasn't anything interesting, was the only time that I ever drink Heineken is when I'm flying to Orlando, because mm-hmm. Virgin... Obviously, you get your drinks for free on Virgin, but the only beers that they serve is Heineken or, I think, Tiger. Oh, Tiger's maybe. good, though. Tiger's I mean, much better than Heineken. It's okay, but it makes me feel really bloated. Tiger is brewed in Kent. Is it? Why? Is it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was Chinese. It yeah. is, but they brew it in Kent to get around the import charges. You know, Foster's oh. is, is Australian, but it's not brewed in Australia. Isn't it? Not, not what we have. Not what we have, no. But the Australians don't even like Fosters. No. Oh, really? Is no. it like how Americans don't actually like Budweiser or Bud Light and they tell me at every opportunity that they don't? <laughs> yeah, it's literally the same as that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. What were you going to say, Chris? Uh, only that um, if you like Moana, there was a rare pop vinyl released with Hey Hey and the Pig oh. from Moana. And um, it's in only in Asda's from tomorrow. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, wow. It's the one from um, uh, Comic-Con. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, they're releasing it in Asda tomorrow. Of course they are. That makes absolute sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but saying that, like last year, yeah, last year, it was at the, I think it was like the full Comic-Con or something, because they, you know, obviously San Diego is a big Comic-Con, but they have others throughout the year. 
And last year, they released a Scrooge McDuck in his, in his pile of money in, oh, in a yeah, bathing suit. And I really wanted it, and I missed out getting it from, from the con when people were like, sent it for overinflated price. And I went into Hawkins Bazaar. Right now, for those that don't know, which is many people don't know what Hawkins Bazaar is, it is like the name suggests, just a shop, a, a shop that sells like <laughs> loads of random shit, and they had that as their exclusive. And I just wow. walked in there and they had it, so I, I own one. Um, so yeah, it's really funny. Wow. I know Game have got some of them this year as well. Uh, Smith's Toys have H and V have got some of the exclusives. It's very odd. But as a, that's an interesting one, I'll, I'll I'll pop down there tomorrow. Pop. <laughs> oh. oh, you're so funny. I love Hey Hey, though. I don't care much for the I pig, but hey. hey Hey is the best. He is adorable. Okay, so I am drinking a lovely aluminum, aluminium Budweiser. Ah, you got some now. I've got some, and... This is my second one of the night because, like I said, we were basically me and Nick talk loads mm-hmm. individually, and then when we're together and it's just us two, like we'll just we just won't stop. And not because we're from day evidence you know. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we just talked and talked. I drank. I already drank one, and they're pretty big bottles. I think they're four forty. Like, I think. 473. Oh, yeah. So is Heineken is 473. Now I've looked at the side of it. Um, yeah. yeah whilst, so I'm on my second one. They're normally 330, I think. So, oh, dear. Well, um, Amanda's going to get wild tonight. Hello, Taylor. <laughs> but this is going to be my last Budweiser until... I'm going to try not to drink until I go on holiday. Yeah, well, you tried that last time and, you know... You know. Well, mm, things happen. But I feel like for such a small girl drinking such an awful lot of beer, you know, I want to fit in my holiday shorts. That's what I want to do. And beer isn't helping me. So I am going wild with my two tonight, but then on the next ones, I'm going to be sober. See, what I will say for you for future reference is your holiday shorts should be a, at least a size bigger than your normal shorts. Well, right. Is that why you always fit into them? Well, when I... I don't know if everyone else gets this too, but when I go to Florida, I lose weight while I'm on holiday. I've never gained weight in Florida. No, because you're walking so much. Yeah. Yeah. So if I've got a bigger pair of shorts, they definitely wouldn't fit me by the end of my holiday. They'd be... They'd fall down because I, I do I do lose quite a lot of weight while I'm away. Especially if I go for three weeks as well because I'm kind of eating on the move. Especially as a vegetarian. As a vegetarian, I'll have to live on fries and pickles. Seriously, I was saying this on, on when we, me and P-Dubs did discover DLP the other week. Like When we go to run Disney, it'll be the first time that I go to Disneyland Paris as a vegetarian. And I've got no idea. I do know that there's... They've got a food festival at the moment. They do like a little mini food and wine festival in the in the Paris area of the studios, and Ooh. there is a vegan stand there this year. It's the first time they're offering fully vegan food in the park, um, and apparently they have improved their vegetarian options in in other places. But I don't know. But yeah, I've, I've really got no idea what I'm going to be 
eating when I go there. I just have to just find stuff and, and go. Well, yeah. speaking of food and speaking of vegetarian food, and you're going to wonder how I'm linking this. But... Uh, and please don't turn off. <laughs> we'll yes, skip. Please don't turn off. I promise this is relevant. Aventura opened this week. Hi. And I am so excited. I've never felt this excited about staying in a hotel before. Like, I've pretty, I've stayed in almost all of the on-site hotels at Universal. And, you know, I get a little bit excited about staying in them because I want to see how they look. But I feel like Aventura is so my kind of vibe. The, like, look, the only thing about Aventura, and I'm sure Chris will back me up, is when anyone ever... If I say it written, I don't think it. But when you say it, or when someone else says it out loud... In fact, I'm going to do it again. Aventura. Pet Detective. <laughs> ah, see, I was going the other way. I was thinking of their former Spanish theme park. Oh, yeah. Oh, Fort Aventura. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, something we talked about on, on a previous podcast. Mm. I think it was... Disco- yeah, no, it was. It was the last Discover DLP we talked about, the fact that that was a universal theme park. Although, I did say, without checking it out, which is very unlike me, trying to actually fact-check, that it didn't have any universal attractions. Uh, well, sort of. I mean, it did not... have Halloween Horror Nights. Did it now? Which is what my new book is about. Um, but uh, my friend has just come back from there and all the walk-around characters are still universal characters. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got, like, the monsters, universal monsters, Betty Boop, Woody Woodpecker. Huh. Brown. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. They pay a licence just to use the walk-around characters, apparently. Jeez. Hmm. Weird. Well, anyway... I have been so excited about Aventura because I feel like I love a good theme and I love Cabana Bay, I love Sapphire Falls, I love Hard Rock, I love them being all themed and everything, but I also like a simple hotel. And I also like, as much as I complain about technology, I like a good bit of technology. And when I heard that these rooms were all going to have iPads that would control basically everything in the room. I was like, I like that. Well, what I had a look today about prices for this hotel, and mm-hmm. they are about the same sort of price as Cabana Bay. Yep. But mm-hmm. what really makes me fascinated about this hotel, though, is it looks like it's a five-star hotel. Like, the rooms look really nicely done. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then, as you say, they've got all this technology to, to control the heating and the ventilation and the TV and everything. And um, I'm thinking, why is it so cheap? This is this is what I'm, I'm um, curious about. And I guess I'll find out when I stay there at the end of September. Everything looks fancy. Everything sounds fancy. It's got fancy food, it's got the fancy iPads, it has wooden floors instead of carpets in the rooms, which is a big plus in my book. Mm. Everything in there screams to me that it should be a hotel that's kind of in line with Portofino Bay or Royal Pacific. And I actually got this hotel for cheaper than Cabana Bay. Wow. So I'm like, what? what is it about? What's, what's cheap about it? I don't understand. I think I've worked it out, you know. What? You said it's got wooden floors, yeah? 
Yeah. Could it be that what you've mistaken as wooden floors is actually MDF and it's been built by Lawrence Llewellyn and Burren and Handy Andy? Oh, no. Oh, please, no. All right. I will tell you something interesting, though. I was talking to a friend of mine that works behind the scenes in the hotels Mm-hmm. for Lowe's and he was telling me that for the Halloween Horror Night season at Universal the hotel that's got the most amount of rooms booked out is actually Portofino that surprises me now some of the rooms there are really expensive so uh-huh. I don't know who is buying these rooms but wow. Portofino is having a really good season this year wow I know that on um, the particular dates that I'm going, I know when I looked back again and I was looking for one of my friends, um, Sapphire Falls was booked up, Cabana Bay was booked up, Hard Rock was booked up, and I was like, oh, well, this is going to be a busy time. Do, mm. we, do we think, though, that they are actually booked up, or is it just that whoever you're looking at, their allocation is booked up? Because I find it really hard to believe that a hotel's fully booked. I mean, I d- right, basically, I, I very much believe at least the first few days that I'm going to be there because, like last year, and Chris fucked me up on this, mm-hmm. Microsoft yeah, had yeah, events, yeah. and so the entire of Cabana Bay was fully, fully booked. Like, I wanted to move rooms, and they were like, okay, we can move your rooms, but we can't move your room until, like, Monday when all these people have checked out because we are completely full. And they're like, if you're upset, like, we can move you to a different hotel. But, like, most of the hotels are booked up because of this convention because there's a lot of people. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not faffing around with that. I'll just stay in this one. I'm not bothered. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with my room. I was just being a brat. But, <laughs> like, I just I just wanted a... I paid for a volcano view. And I just wanted a volcano view that I could actually see. And then there wasn't any, so I was like, well, just put, like, I'm not bothered whether I see a volcano or whether I see the theme park. Like, whatever I've paid for that, like, just give me a theme park view then. Um, that wasn't nasty. I was nice about it. But, I, like, that's how I know that the entire thing was booked up. So I believe that because I'm going the exact same time again, that, you know, for the first few days at least, they probably are booked up from Microsoft. Well, yeah well there's that but um i know as well that um some of the weekends there some of the hotels are fully booked i mean whenever i book a room i don't know where you go but if i'm just going to do a night or a few nights i just i usually just book it direct Mm -hmm. like if i'm if i'm gonna book like like you say a couple of nights direct but then you know if i'm going for three weeks like this time I book mine as a package because they tend to have good sales on like around Christmas time. Mm. But not all the time. I do it differently a lot of the time. Um, but I can imagine that they are full. And this is the smallest hotel. Is it? Yeah, I think there's, from the top of my head, I want to say 600 rooms. So you got it for cheaper than Cabana Bay, but yeah. where does it actually fit in the rankings of premium and value and so it's the, it's on the same level as cabana bay right so that's their their economy range isn't it yeah yeah and i think honestly it is supposed to be a little bit cheaper than cabana bay anyway but i booked it literally the day that it opened up for booking oh good 
And so I think I got maybe like, I want to say 15 or 20% off of it. So I got it for quite a bit cheaper than Cabana Bay. So I think I got a really, really good deal. But then I booked a Skyline View room. So oh, I paid gosh. a bit extra for that. Because yeah. I want to be on that top level. And I don't care whether I see Volcano Bay and downtown Orlando or whether I see Sapphire Falls and the theme park. I'm not bothered like which side I'm looking at because either way, it's going to be a really good view. But you pay that bit extra, or at least I did anyway, to stay. I think it's like maybe the top two floors. So maybe like 450 and 416. Because um, obviously floor 17 is the very, very top floor. And that is the bar 17 Bistro. Which is the rooftop bar. Yeah. Yeah. Which looks absolutely glorious. So can you book that place for dinner and stuff like that or you it's not a full on restaurant. You it's like kind of like barnibles kind of thing. Um it's mostly it's mostly a bar. It's a bit confusing because this hotel does have kind of visions of the contemporary resort doesn't it kind yeah. of it you know and that's obviously one of their most expensive hotels the disney mm-hmm. um whereas this hotel is as you say it's in their value economy range but it still looks really top end i just i really don't understand what's making it so cheap because you're, you're right next to Sapphire Falls, so you've got the water taxi. So, you like, you know, people are going to go and use that water taxi. I, I don't understand what it is that's making it cheaper. I wonder if it's just because um, it's new. And so they're trying to just get the, like, the, the reputation out there a little bit. You know, I, mean, I think Disney have been not guilty of this before, but they've certainly done this before where they've opened up results and over time they become more expensive. So I don't know how. Because like even the way that the marketing it, the marketing it as a as a prime value hotel. And that's mm. this and Cabana Bay. Mm. And so it looks it looks fancy and it looks contemporary ish, but it's got a really cheap price tag, and I just I really can't figure out what it is about it because everything. I mean, it's it's very basic inside of it. It's very it's like it looks like I don't remember who else said it in a video I watched a few days ago, but they'd hit it dead on with that. It looks like IKEA inside, and it does. It's got strange furniture, all very simple, but I think that. You'd you'd get that in a very upmarket hotel. So I just I can't figure out what it is about it that makes them want to market it as a prime value, because I do very much believe that they could very easily have marketed this as a contemporary style hotel and put a very big price tag on it, and people yeah. would have probably paid it. So I don't know, but anyway, my whole point about it was food. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only taken twenty minutes. We got back to the yeah. original point. I mean, I, I did want to tell you that Aventura opened today. I'm excited about it. But the bit that I am the most excited about, and Nick, you'll be excited about this too, is that they are going to be selling the Impossible Burger. Wow. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's this? So this is a vegetarian burger. 
I believe it's vegan, actually. I think you could be um, right, actually. I, I'm fairly sure that it's vegan. And it's made of like a... What, what would you call it, Nick? It's like a, it's like a fake... A, a, like a genetically created type of meat. It's not actually meat, but it tastes very much like meat. Yeah, it's plant-based. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what they've used to actually make it gives the consistency and the look and taste of a burger. Um, I've not tried one yet. I've tried... I, like, this is going a little bit off topic, but they do these things in Iceland. It's their own brand called Noble Burgers. And they are supposed to be quite similar to the Impossible Burger. And they are really realistic. Like, you, if you gave someone one of those in a blind test, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference very easily at all. Wow. Um, so, and, and I hear the Impossible Burger is supposed to be even better than, than those. So mm. um, I'm eager to try. I think um, Wahlburgers use them as well. The chain well, of burger the, bars run by the the, uh, the brothers Wahlberg. They're very very popular in America right now. Places like there's a, a vegan restaurant called Crossroads Kitchen in LA, and they use possible burgers in there. And it seems like every vegan celebrity that I follow just goes crazy about these impossible burgers and it's whenever I like I like I like vegetarian burgers I'm into them but it seems like wherever I go especially in in Florida it's kind of like it's a bean burger or nothing and I'm not really into that yeah you get a lot of chickpea burgers as well I like chickpeas but I'm just a bit done with like falafel and chickpea chickpea burgers so anything that's a bit more like it i'm all for um exactly so i was super super excited when i saw this and i was like i can't believe that i'm gonna be able to drunkenly eat an impossible burger in my own hotel or sober i mean i mean i know amanda will be drunk yeah but i'll I'll most likely be drunk yeah do you know impossible burgers also do a sausage mcmuffin do they yeah, I just googled it. It's amazing. I you just know... I just bought some um I bought some corn sausage patties today. And they are just like McMuffins. Uh, I've never really tried good. one of them. I've seen them, mm. but I don't I've never had a sausage McMuffin. Well, ever ever. Ever ever. So I don't know if I'd even you like are, it. You are missing out. You are missing out. In the same way that I'm now missing out, you are missing out from never having one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not having one recently. Um, the thing is, right, th- this is my take on it, right? I'm not going to preach or anything like that. But the whole reason I became a vegetarian uh, or pescatarian, whatever, is I, I, I actually like meat. Unlike Amanda, I actually like meat. But what I don't like is what meat does to the environment. And I'm more bothered about trying to do my bit in, in helping the earth stay the earth. So I think any any way that that can be improved upon and for there to be a decent alternative for people to not choose or not have to have a beef burger or something, I'm all for. So the thing is, I think it's great because even if you don't like meat, sorry, even if you do like meat and you know, you, you're know you one of these people that likes to tell a vegan to go and eat some bacon or something because it's tasty, and it is, um, the thing is, <laughs> it's, it's true, it's true. But 
the thing is, it, there's a good alternative out there. There's plenty of good alternatives, but this is one of the best ones. So anything that you can have which makes you feel a little bit better, full stop, because I will say this as well, I do feel better in myself not eating meat, um, surprisingly. Um, but anything that, that can help like that, I think it's good. So I think the fact that they are taking that on board is good. And I do think this is the start of where we're going to see theme parks and other places go in the next five years. You know, I really hope so, because I know this isn't a Disney podcast, and I'll talk about this more on This After Dark, but the Impossible Burger is going to be a food and wine festival as well. Wow. And it's on the Edison's new menu. Yes. Wow. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's starting. I mean, the thing is, McDonald's are doing vegan burgers in certain parts of the world now. KFC are launching vegetarian chicken. Uh, as a trial in the next few months in the UK, you know, people are starting to make a change. And I think more variety for people is definitely a good thing. I think even if, if people just reduce their consumption of meat a little bit, you know, if you want to go as extreme as going vegan or vegetarian or something like that, that's great. And that's why I chose it. But even if it just gives people an alternative, that's, that can only be a good thing. Uh-huh. And also, I just actually looked it up, and the burger that they're selling at Aventura is not vegan because they put cheese on it. But you could request it without cheese, and then you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in fairness, um, American cheese doesn't really have much cheese in it, does it? No. It's, it's most likely plastic. But <laughs> basically, this, like, I really like um, the Bayliner Diner at Cabana Bay because there's quite a lot of, tra- you know, in Piquita, there's quite a lot of choice. But at Aventura, we have Urban Pantry. And this is a similar kind of thing, but a little bit more fancy. So in Urban Pantry, we're going to have a wok and sushi station, which looks kind of like Yo Sushi. Okay. You've never been eating at Yo Sushi. Then they have um, a pizza station, similar to Cabana Bay, but these look more like um, flatbread type of things or a little bit like Blaze Pizza, whereas the ones at Cabana Bay are a little bit more of like a a standard pizza. These look a little bit fancier. Then we have the burger station, and there's a whole bunch of different burgers that you can go for. Impossible included. But they have things like chicken sandwiches. They have their, their own type of burger that they've made, all different kinds. We have a roast station, which is like um, a carvery type thing. Which, I mean, I'm sure people will be into that. But then they also are selling a whole bunch of different speciality beers and wines, which I'm also excited about. So there's a whole bunch of choice, and I am all about this because I've spent such a long time struggling as a picky eater and a vegetarian, which makes me, like, double the hard work. I, like, I'm all about this because there's just so much choice, and I think there's something here for everybody. And for such a small hotel, this is amazing. I'm very, very excited to eat here. Yeah. And it's not often that I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, I've got all of this choice in all of Orlando to go and eat. And I'm just going to stay in my hotel and eat like this food looks delicious. Yeah. It looks absolutely incredible. 
and again, just my my last thing on this, you know, for somebody that twelve well this time last year was happily a screaming from the rooftops meat eating you know meat fan, huge meat lover. Um, the one thing I've discovered since making a change is that what I would turn my nose up before just because it was a vegetarian option or a vegan option, it, it tastes so much better than you think it's going to. <laughs> so even if, like, you know, the fact that we're talking about fake burgers is making you angry, honestly, just give it a go because it will taste much better than you could ever imagine it being. So just just give it a go. Mm-hmm. But speaking of things that are delicious... If we Chris? go up to oh, sorry. Chris is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> if we go up to the Bar Seventeen Bistro, which is the rooftop bar, they have some speciality cocktails. And I know that we covered them a little bit in a in a previous episode, but I think they deserve a little bit more attention because they look absolutely incredible. And they have what they call complex frozen cocktails. Complex and frozen cocktails. Complex, complex frozen, and this is because they're not making. You know, a lot of the time when you when you go to bar and you order like a daiquiri or a pina colada, and they just you see them just bringing a carton out and they just pour a carton into like a slush. Mm-hmm. This is a it's just pre made crap. These are all going to be made from scratch. Mm. and they sound super fancy like we have one that has maple syrup and grapefruit in it and is it bourbon or bourbon bourbon bourbon's a bourbon. i mean i don't like either <laughs> so i'm just putting that out there but that's there if you want it and then we have them with matcha syrup in lime juice and silver rum like these sound like amazing mm. as a as a former gorgeous. As a former mixologist, the the notion that a cocktail can just be pre-made and pour into a glass just upsets me immensely. Yeah. Like, there's nothing worse than looking, you know, if you if you ever have to go to Weatherspoons, I reckon this is one ever have to do this, so all right. But going in there and seeing a cocktail menu and realising it's all pre-made stuff just does my nothing. I well, hate it with passion. There is one pro to, to having those ready-made cocktails they can't be messed up no the team <laughs> member the team members at universal will tell you that when they get the big vats of ready-made cocktail in for halloween horror nights the the all the alcohol sits at the bottom okay. so once you sell all the drinks and you're left with the dregs in the bottom that's like 90 percent alcohol <laughs> disgusting <laughs> yeah yeah that's where it all goes. Yeah. That's where it all goes. <laughs> it, it, that's probably what I always end up with because whenever I get one of those cocktails, they just taste like paint stripper. Mm. The thing is, like a proper cocktail made properly, it, it, it is a thing of wonder. I remember when I learned how to make a mojito. Like we got when I used this is when I had that kind of career, and I was learning how to make a mojito for the first time, which is now a staple, but I'd never even heard of one before. We're talking early noughties now. Um, when I followed the recipe on my cheat sheet, it tasted awful. Like the, I was like, how can anyone drink this? And they, the the guy that was training us drank mine. and was like, no, let me show you. He made one for me, and he said, try that. And it was the, 
like the most amazing cocktail I'd ever had, like so full of flavour. And, and so the thing is, there's a real art to making cocktails. So I, I get, you know, if you do like a pre-made cocktail, like you're guaranteed it's it's going to taste of something. You know, it's like McDonald's, isn't it? Like their chips always taste the same because of, of how they're made. Um, but that doesn't mean quality. That just means consistency. But if you can actually, mm-hmm. you know, make it the correct way, like a, a real cocktail is is a thing to behold. Well, I'm excited. Like, I don't really drink spirits anymore, but I'm going to try some of these because they do sound absolutely delicious. And I think that my problem is the pre-made ones and the fact that they just pour a ridiculous amount of alcohol in to mask the terribleness of the cocktail whereas i think these ones will be beautifully made and they'll they sound delicious so i'm definitely going to try some of these so if you see me i'm going to be drunk i'm just putting out there but in this bistro the the type of food that they're going to serve up there is things like bao buns and uh uh-huh ash loves the bao buns she's not going to be there this time so it's about you ash (laughs) um they're going to do things like mongolian beef bao buns and tempura baby vegetable bao buns and then they're gonna have things like a meat and cheese board and bruschetta so it's just like kind of it's fancy bar nibbles things that you can have a little snack on but it's not it's not full meal type of things up there that's what the urban pantry is for but then we have another bar downstairs near the pool and i when i was looking at art for Aventura, I thought, wow, that pool's really small. And I'm not, like, a massive pool person anyway. I like Cabana Bay Lazy River. But, like, it's rare that I'll actually go and get in the pool a bit. But I was a little bit disappointed that I I thought it was going to be small. It's actually really, really big. It wraps around, like, half of the hotel. But they have their own bar at that pool. And their signature drink is called the One Fell Swoop. And this looks very, very delicious. So this is like, it sounds a little bit weird, but it looks really nice. It's vodka, ginger beer, watermelon juice, syrup and lime juice. And then they put a giant wedge of watermelon in it. And it just looks so refreshing and delicious. So I'm so excited to try this one. But they do things like mocktails as well. So if you're not an alcoholic kind of person you can still have like the really fruity fun drinks at the pool without having alcohol in so you get the best way thoughts and beer blue moon's on tap at every bar <laughs> so that's a good time i do love fair blue moon but then i got an email from um virgin and it was like hi regarding your booking and i was like oh what happened and when i went into it it was like so because you booked your holiday with Virgin and you're staying at an on-site hotel, we want to welcome you to the V-Hub at Aventura. Oh, hello. I know. And I was like, what? And at first I was like, and I, I think me and me and P-Dabs were talking about it in our group chat, and I was like, why would they have picked the smallest on-site hotel to put, like, a Virgin lounge in? doesn't make any sense to me but then I thought actually I mean going off like the fact that it's not super heavily themed I think this hotel will cater to every person so I think it's probably is the most like every everyone can enjoy this hotel and it's just a simple one that like 
you don't have to be super into like a 50s theme or a Caribbean theme or whatever. So it makes sense in that bit, but I'm still a little bit dubious about it being smallest one and like everyone who's booked the Holiday of the Virgin will all be trying to cram into this small area. But it sounds cool because you can go and have some free bits for breakfast, like toast and coffee and fruit and cookies. And then they'll have like snacks throughout the day. You can leave your luggage there so you can go and enjoy the park on your on the day that you're leaving. And then there'll be like virgin reps there that you can speak to if you've got any problems or questions. So, I mean, it sounds it sounds like a good idea. And it's something that we don't have at any of the other on-site hotels, so it's pretty cool. But do they have things like that at the Disney hotels? I know they have a um like a, a check-in thing at downtown disney disney springs mm-hmm. but do they have like a lounge or anything like that at a disney hotel i've what? never heard of one i i mean i know the disney springs thing that's been there for like ever um and is really popular but i i don't think they've got anything like that on site not that i've come across yeah. anyway i don't other, think so other than club level level there's nothing that I'm aware of that that's um, to do with Virgin other than the Disney Springs thing, like you said. Mm, like, I know they have, like, the, the Virgin Lounge at, like, the airports on, like, our side, but I did, I've i never heard of, um, of anything like this being in any of the hotels before. But, I mean, Virgin, if you, like, if you need someone from England to come and work in your V-Hub, I mean, that I'm open. dirty. Um... <laughs> In a non-dirty way, please. I tell you, I tell you what's in the uh, studios theme park. There is actually an Amex lounge for Amex customers. Oh really? Mm. Mm, I've been in it. It's really not that interesting. Where is it? It's right behind, or rather, it's right next door to the uh, donkey meet and greet. Is it? Yeah, you'd never know it was there unless you were a member. There's like a little discreet sign that says Amex um, guests only. And you go in, there's this little woman at a desk. And you can basically, it's got air conditioning, you can charge your phone and there's bottles of water and that's it. I mean, that sounds interesting. I feel like I have to like try and find that now. Even though I'm not a customer, I just want to see it. So, I mean, if you're an Amex or is it Amex or Amex, whatever it is, um, if you're one of them customers and you want to let me go and see inside that room, hi. There's, there's loads of provisors. I think you have to book your tickets with Amex, but I don't know how you prove that. And it's only open during the day. Ah. Oh, how weird. How weird. Well, anywho. I had a little look at some videos of inside the rooms and you already know the rooms have got wooden floors so like I am just not a giant fan of carpets and hotel rooms and I know that it makes it a little bit quieter but I just always think how many like everyone's been really sweaty at the theme park today and then they've got sweaty feet all over this carpet and then I'm going to stand on this carpet and bleh. So if it's a, if it's a wooden floor I imagine it's going to be a lot cleaner. But these rooms again going back to the fact that it's uh, relatively cheap hotel the rooms look gorgeous like absolutely like absolutely incredible like they look so cool and they are very technologically advanced so like chris said in the beginning you can control the lights the air conditioning the tv all with an ipad so there's no remote in the room it's all done through the ipad 
I, I, I've just got visions of me sitting on the end of the bed, holding the thing, tapping it, and nothing happening, and me going, Sharon! <laughs> you should be, you should be, um, you should be tapping the iPad instead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're uh, swiftly on. <laughs> but you can order room service from this iPad. You can have like a web chat with the with like the reception downstairs, so you don't even have to call people. Like it's just very. I want to like I don't want to say millennial, but I mean it's a bit millennial. <laughs> like you don't have to speak to people. You can just be in total isolation if you want to and just do your own thing and talk to a computer. And then, you know, you can order beer from your room through the iPad. So that's another plus from me. So I'm very, very excited about it. I can't wait to get into the room and film it and and be able to talk about my own experiences in there. Because like I said in the beginning, it's... I've never really felt this excited to stay in a hotel before. And it's weird because it's not like a, a crazy theme or anything like that. It's just a very, very simple hotel, but the technology in it is exciting to me. And I'm also very glad that they have multiple USB like charger, like port things. Am I the only person that I would never order beer? from room service because I'd have brought my own from Walmart. I mean, <laughs> I, I, the way that I like to, <laughs> to be on holiday is that if I have to go to, if I don't have to go to Walmart or Walgreens, I'm quite happy. Like if I can buy water or drinks or snacks cheaply enough in my hotel, and I guess that's what they want to, like they want to keep you inside of the universal bubble, like yeah, Disney, yeah, like, I... it's a Disney bubble. I, I get that, but the thing is, I can buy like a crate of beer for the price of probably two two room service beers. Maybe, but I'm imagining that. I'm like, so British, and I. You are in Cabana Bay. They had the big fridges in the Bayliner Diner, and so you could buy like four cans of Budweiser, and I think it was maybe about I want to say like seven or eight dollars for, for four, four cans. cans. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was it pretty too cheap. bad, is it? Yeah, it was like it was really, really cheap. I mean, I mean, it might have been like ten. I don't know, but it, it definitely wasn't expensive. And I was shocked at how cheap it was. Anyway, um, and I thought, well, by the time I've got an Uber to Walgreens, I'm going to end up paying a very similar price anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now, if it's if it's reasonable like that, then you know, I'm thinking they're going to charge you like eight or ten dollars a bottle. And I, I mean, I haven't seen the the room service menu, so yeah. I don't know, but. I imagine that would be similarly priced to what would be for sale downstairs in the urban pantry. But you can order things like towels or shampoo or conditioner. So if you're running low on like the in, I don't use the in-room shampoo and conditioner, but James might. He uses the one from Commander Bay. Um, if you're running low on that and you need some more, you can just press a button on the iPad and they'll bring some straight up to you. So it's very, very cool. I'm very interested to see how it's going to work. I love all the lighting in the rooms. I love the beds and how the beds look. I'm just very, very excited to stay there. But I've been very excited since I booked it. Like, since since I very first heard that this was going to be a thing and they were testing, like, the room service robots. I haven't heard Whoa, anyone mention on, them yet. Yeah, so basically they were testing the room service robots at Cabana Bay are last these, year. Are these, like, the same kind of robots that you get in the Muppets? 
Um, no, Rocky they're, Four. They're the ones that they've just cleared out the Terminator attraction with. Yeah, basically. Pardon yeah. French. <laughs> basically, that's who's going to be delivering your beer to your room. So then you got Here is your Bud Light. Drink up, <laughs> or I kill you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not down with that. I'll be back with your eyes. <laughs> eyes too. No, actually, he no. did say that, didn't he? He did. Did he not say? Did he not say he did. Batman and Robin? Eyes to see you. Because yeah, he, he was. He was Mister Freeze. You see, it was. It was really. Um, oh, that's, that's two bits of medicine I've got to do. Well done, Nick. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's going to make this a clean show. Um, Amanda, I do want to... Well, look, there's been a lot of you know um, Halloween Horror Night stuff, which I know Mr. Ripley's going to be a, a great help on. But before we get on to that, there's a rumour that's been going around for the last 24 hours, which I think we do need to address just quickly. Um, wait, which one? Uh, about the uh, the window cleaner from Brookside. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think it's a rumor anymore. Is it definitely? Is it definitely? What happening? are we talking about? I mean, it's. Uh, I've seen quite a few more people have um, shared this of their own accord, and um, heard that the cast has been told, and blah blah blah. Are we talking about Sinbad? We are talking about Sinbad. Because oh. he definitely wasn't a genie in a movie. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Why? <laughs> I was so considerate mentioning Brookside. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, Brookside. <laughs> Sinbad, yes. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep now tonight because oh. I'm just going to Reckon research and Mandela effects and <laughs> we're so old. <laughs> we are. Anyway, so it's been circulating the internet all day today that the Sinbad show is going, and we actually spoke about this. I want to say March time, mm. where we were like, guys, just saying, go and watch Sinbad while you can. It's been and... confirmed, by the way. I'm I'm quite gutted because I don't know why me and Craig didn't do it last year. Um, Did tell us? Yeah, no. I, I mean, you know what? I think it's because I forgot it was there, and the same reason we didn't do Poseidon's Fury. We just didn't walk right around to that bit because it's a little bit out of the way, really, isn't it? Um, we stood there talking to the fountain for quite a bit, but we just didn't do the rest <laughs> of Lost Continent and. You know, it's just one of those things that I just always forget there. And I think that's well, half the problem. Please, you know? everybody, do Lost Continent while you can. Like, I know that we've said yeah. it like quite a few times the last few months, but honestly, please do it all while you can because this this Sinbad show is going to be closing on the fifteenth of September. So that's going to be that's before I'm going to be there. It's before Chris is going to be there. So we're not going to get to see that ever again now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if any of us are particularly sad about it. I, it's a good show. Like, I mean, I think what they do is clever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as stunt shows go, it's pretty good. I think the problem with stunt shows in general is once you've seen them a couple of times, you don't really feel the need to go and see them again. It's like, I remember this, the first time I went to see um, Lights, Motors, Action at Disneyland Paris when that first opened up. And that later went to Hollywood Studios. And we, we, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, what a great show. And once you saw it twice, you're like, yeah, it's 
good and it's done really well, but when, when you've seen it, you've kind of seen it. And we saw the one at Hollywood Studios just in case it was different. And it was almost ex- exactly the same. Like I can't think of anything that was different about it. All the cues were the same. The set was the same. Um, and it's very good for what it was. But again, we had no desire to go and see it again. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these types of shows. You, I mean, I, I imagine there are people that love them and will go and see them multiple times or make sure they go and see it every trip. Um, but for me, it's just one of those things that it was good and it's it was fun to watch, but... I had no real desire to see it again. Silence Fury is almost similar to that in that way. You know, I think it's cooler. I feel like if you, I always kind of feel like I'm not really all that interested in Poseidon's Fury, and I think, oh well, I'll just, I'll just go and see it tomorrow, or I'll just go and see it next week. But then when I do go and see it, I'm like, this is so good, and I don't know why I don't come and see this every day because it's so cool. It's got some very, very good effects, and that's why I think people should see it. And the thing is, if I was going to go and do one of those again, I would go for Poseidon's Fury, um, just because I think it's it's a, a cleverer thing. A stunt show is a stunt show. You know, you'll see mm. things. You know, there'll be stuff in Timber which is unique to that show, but a lot of it you may have seen that say like Indiana Jones, for example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. There's not enough for it to to stand out, you know. I was no. really, I mean, I know this is a different podcast, but and I've still not seen it. But you know, when they announced they're doing a live action Marvel stunt show at Disneyland Paris, I was disappointed because I thought when you've seen it once, you're probably not going to want to see it multiple times. And the fact it breaks down a lot doesn't help its cause either. Um, you know, I, I think I just think that's the problem with those kind of things. You've got to really make them something really 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 special and i think it's very uh-huh. hard to do that um i think any of those things like certain soleil i went to see certain soleil at downtown disney i don't have the urge to go and see that again no well blue man group is different tickets. actually blue man group i would go and see again but well, i still haven't seen that but yeah. I, think I got free tickets for um Lanuba last year and I, I didn't even use them and I felt terrible because I didn't use them and I thought I could have given these to somebody but I completely forgot that I had them and then I was like oh well I mean I'd rather go to food and wine festival and <laughs> I think like they're, they're very very good performers and it's a very very cool show but I just knew that I'd already seen it a few years before and I was like nothing will have changed and I yeah. feel like that about Sinbad too like I know that they're very very talented performers in there and I think they're amazing at what they do, and I think that it's a it's a very well made show. But like you say, once you've seen it, you've seen it. And the thing is, like, I mean, you could you could say the same thing about attractions. You know, other than when they updated the effects, Spider Man was unchanged for like fifteen years, or however long it was before they gave it like the HD upgrade. But the simple fact is that. That that lasts for like like I don't know four minutes, five minutes, whatever, however long it lasts. It doesn't last a particularly long time. When you go and see a stunt show, it lasts for like twenty odd minutes. Yeah, but and then you've got the waiting time. Exactly, you're looking at a good forty minute chunk out of your day, um, e- easily. Now I know that people can queue up that long uh, for for attractions, but most don't. You know, no. So. Yeah, I just 
it, it's a shame, but I think really those kind of shows should be refreshed. I mean, can you imagine if they did Bill and Ted the same every year for twenty eight years? Yeah. Gosh. Do you know, like, and who, who would still be going to it? The thing I mean, is, it... as well, is that a lot of like the younger the younger kids now, and I, mean, I don't know what kids learn in school. I don't know if they they know who, like anything about Sinbad or they've ever seen anything Sinbad before or they've ever watched Sinbad film or blah 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 or whatever. Like there was a few Sinbad films out when I was. Definitely while I was in school. Not the genie kind either. Well, yeah, the genie kind was out. It was definitely out. But, so I knew who Sinbad was, and I knew the story of Sinbad and blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of kids now don't know who the hell Sinbad is. And didn't they do a Sinbad film? And I, Again, I'm not talking about the uh, African-American American comedian. I'm yes, talking about. Yes. <laughs> I'm talking about the sailor, um, but they, there was a film, wasn't there? They, they, I think DreamWorks had done the film, hadn't they? I think so. Which I mean, obviously, that this was way before the Universal purchase, but they had a, a kind of working relationship, um, so it probably kind of, in a way, tied into that. But like you say, it's not really something that's. That's really ingrained in pop culture anymore. You no, know, it'd be the same if they did like a Popeye stage show. Do you know what I mean? Like, who cares about Popeye anymore? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I well, think Twilight the Lost Zone. Continent is a very cool area of the park, yeah. and it used to be one of my favourite sections of the park because I just thought it was so cool and it was so interesting. But now it's kind of when you look at the the lands that surround it, like you've got the wisdom world right next to it and then you've got jurassic park right next to it and i just feel like it just that and zeus landon as well i love zeus landon but those two areas of the park are following the wisdom world i really feel that universal way more than disney needs ips but i I think it's what it's known for I don't even know if it needs an IP because when when Islands of Adventure opened, I was blown away by all of the the original concepts. So Port of Entry is my favourite section of any theme park that I've ever been to. Mm. I absolutely adore it. And that's all original stuff that Universal have done themselves. I love Lost Continent in the same way. I love Zeus Landon too because I, lo- I love Dr. Seuss. But... I really, really loved Lost Continent because I thought it was it was just a cool section of the park. It was very brave, mm-hmm. and for that, I think it needs to be you know given some kudos. But you look at what's around it; everything's an IP. Its most popular area is Harry Potter and has been since it opened. You know, Universal thrives on IPs. And the problem is, is that there's nothing wrong with doing something completely original. And I think theme parks should, as a whole, do more. We've talked about the fact that Disney don't do that anymore. They rely on IPs now. But at the same time, I think in in some ways, because they haven't got an IP, there's more pressure to actually do more for them. That area has been completely untouched since it first opened. Everything uh-huh. else has been changed. With the, I mean, even Jurassic Park, they've done little bits too. Do you know what I mean? But Lost Continent has been the same since day dot, other than you know cutting half it away to make uh, the Wisdom World. 
yeah. and losing Dueling Dragons. And that should have said a lot. But the fact is, it had three big attractions. It then had two attractions. And one was a stunt show, which hasn't changed since opening. Mm-hmm. Or 19 years ago. So, you know, I, I just think that they... Oh, that made me feel old. <laughs> oh, don't worry. If you want to feel really old, I mean, Jurassic, the original Jurassic Park's 25 years old this year. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, Mr. Ripley remember seeing that in the cinema. So, mm. um, you know, have a, have, a, have a thought for us. But th- that's the thing. Like, I, I think there's nothing wrong with having that, uh, having an area that hasn't got IPs. And, and in, in some ways, that lets the creative juices flow. And that's why Halloween Horror Nights last year, I was just listening back to the podcast that me and Craig did, you know, we loved the original houses in some ways more than the IPs because they were allowed to do all these weird and wonderful things that they, you know, because they didn't have the shackles of trying to, you know, look at what an IP was doing. But by doing Absolutely. that, but by do, you know, but by the same token, what they've done is they've got an area where they had carte blanche do whatever they wanted to and it's almost become outdated because of everything that's changed everywhere else. And so there's been no love there. I feel like if we hadn't have cut it away to to make Duel and Dragons into Dragon Challenge, like I think that like mythology and things like that is really cool. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, kids might not know anything about Sinbad, but they know things about dragons. And that castle, the the Duel and Dragons queue was I was terrified walking through there. And it takes quite a lot to scare me, I think. Like, I mean, I'm a little bit of a wuss in a Halloween Horror Nights house, but in a general daylight setting, me walking through that castle, it was scary because you could hear the sound effects of the dragons. And it was, it felt like, like, I love castles. It felt like I was walking through an actual genuine castle. Mm. And I think it was one of the best cues that I've ever been through. Mm. And... Things like that were just cool to me when I was younger. They were cool to me when I was, you know, a grown-up. And I just thought it was so sad. And I love Harry Potter. But it was... I feel like if if that hadn't have been taken away and made into a Harry Potter ride, I think that, you know, the Lost Continent would be in a better place than where it is now. Yeah, I think... Uh, th- yeah, I, I agree. Um but at the same time, I still think they would have done more with it. I think they would have yeah. changed it. I think Jordan Dragons over, over time would have changed anyway. I think it would have evolved. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting now, because, I mean, it's not, um, it's not a massive footprint, is it, the Sinbad show? So... I mean, it's in, it's in, a, it's in a strange spot because it kind of backs on to, like, the, the Jewel and Dragons area and, like, the, the train. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know whether they're going to utilise this theatre. I mean, are we, are, we seeing, are we seeing the end of Lost Continent? Is it going to become... Because all that's left there, after Sinbad goes, is the fountain, which isn't an attraction. It's a, it's a great time spent, but it's not really an attraction. Um, and Simon's Fury. So, mm-hmm. you know... A mythos. I mean, Mythos is an attraction, but it's a very cool restaurant, so go there uh, while you can. Agreed, but there's but that can easily be rethinked. Mm-hmm. I do know. definitely think that the Lost Continent stays numbered, and I do definitely encourage anyone to go and have fun in Lost Continent while you can. 
same as what I said a few months ago, go and do it where you can because it, it is still a very fun area and there's things, there's cool things in there that you may not have noticed before. Yeah, and Poseidon's Fury is definitely yeah. worth a trip. Definitely, and again, Mythos is my favourite theme park restaurant. I think it's delicious, I think it's got a really nice varied menu, and it's it's comparatively priced to the pizza that you're going to get in Marvel Superior Island. But you're going to get a much nicer meal. So I definitely think go to Lost Continent while you can, make the most of it. Don't be in a situation that me and Chris are in now where we can't ever see the Sinbad show ever again because it's going to close on the 15th of September. Because Universal don't give you the notice that Disney give you. Disney will say, hey, we're closing this attraction in February of next year or in March of next year or blah, blah, blah. Universal's like, hey, we're closing this attraction in a month. (laughs) Or we're closing this attraction on Monday. So with anything, go and have fun and experience it while you can. But certainly with Lost Continent, eat a mythos, go and see Poseidon's Fury, go to all the cool little shops that are in there because they sell really cool things. Go and get some henna tattoo. Go and get your tarot red. Go and talk to the fountain. And if you're there before the 15th of September, go and watch the Sinbad show. But anything else that you guys want to say about Sinbad? Um, um, I never rated his uh, sitcom. <laughs> Isn't the, the body buried under the patio still? I believe it is, yeah. Speaking of bodies buried in the patios. <laughs> There's a segue. <laughs> I'm a queen of segues today. Halloween Horror Nights. So we've had so much going on in the time that we've been away. So much has happened. So first off, we've had to see... Chris, I think that you posted this a week ago. Mm-hmm. About the Academy Villain theme being cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And so it officially broke on the internet, I think, last night or yesterday afternoon. Mm. So, yeah, their theme this year is going to be cyberpunk, and it's going to be 80s, kind of synthy, punky, vibrant. Very excited. And has it been officially, officially confirmed that it's going to be in the building? No. But um, it pretty much is guaranteed to be in that area, yeah. Well, I did see people talking yesterday about um, hearing them rehearsing there. Hmm. I also believe that I may know the reason why Bill and Ted went away. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been doing some digging, speaking to some people, and... um, Somebody told me that it's quite close to um, in, uh, to the production side of things, the production company that eventually does own the rights to the franchise. And because it's being picked up for this new sequel, um, the contract that they have with this with Bill and Ted was that every few years it would just keep rolling on. And it because it wasn't a, an IP that was fresh it wasn't having new films or tv shows or whatever um the license fee to have it because it isn't a universal um product um was pretty small like a peppercorn kind of courtesy uh, mm-hmm. fee just to keep it running keep it relevant and um anyway when they went to renew the contract 
before last year's Halloween Horror Nights, supposedly the fee had, had jumped 600%. Wow. What? And supposedly uh, Universal went, well, we're not, we're not paying that. And they wouldn't negotiate. And they said, well, we've got a new film coming out. We want to rebrand. We want to be fresh, be modern, be relevant. So, sorry, we, we don't want to attach to your event. We want to be fresh, uh, modern, and more relevant with 50-year-old actors, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I'm not surprised that that was... I think that we all kind of tied the, the new film into it, but, I mean, I didn't think that the licensing would have been that much you know what it's very very naive right and this is why I think that because this film which still hasn't officially been green lit like it's almost but you know fully been but it hasn't actually been officially green lit there's no start date of production there's just you know final draft scripts and stuff that are going around hasn't been officially gone uh, given the green light even when this happens, and I'm sure it will do, but even when this happens, this film is not going to set the world on fire. The original Bill and Ted films were quite cult. In, you know, if you look at the box office numbers, they weren't huge. <laughs> they never set the world on fire, did they? No, <laughs> literally, <laughs> which is part of the reason of the new film. But do you know what I mean? Like those films weren't massive. They were. Decent against them. There were low-budget films, both of them. Um, the second one didn't do anywhere near as well as they expected to because they thought, because the first one had done so well on like video and stuff, that it would probably do better than it did. It made its budget back. It did okay, but it didn't you know, become this big box office hit. And so I think they're really naive in thinking that this film is going to be anything more than that. This film is going to be... A success, I'm sure, but it's not going to be, uh, you know, knocking on the Oscars door. It's not going to be knocking on the top ten gro- biggest grossing films of the year. Come the end of the year, it comes out. Do you know what I mean? It's going uh, to be a modest hit. I don't think it will be a success. Hmm. I just don't think there's any relevance to it. I don't think there's any hunger for it. I don't think anyone wants to see it. I mean, there are yeah, okay, there are people that do want to see it. There is a hunger for it, but. There's not that mass appeal that a Marvel film has or a Star Wars film has. I mean, this is very, very small numbers. Look at the thing is, like, if you we got to look at when, when you're looking at this kind of thing, comparing it, is stuff that did make sequels to. So, look at things like Anchorman Two or Dumb and Dumber Two. Now, yeah, these are films like Anchorman One is one of my all-time favorite comedy films. And I, I would love to have seen a second Anchorman film until they actually made it. And then I realised, you know what? Actually, maybe I didn't want it after all. Mm. And this is the thing, like, you know, everyone was expecting Anchorman 2 to be bigger than the first one, and it wasn't. It didn't do anywhere near as well as the first one. And this happens a lot with comedy sequels. This mm-hmm. is like snakes on a plane all over again, isn't it? Yeah. The, the thing is, like, they, they, they have this, this expectation that it's going to be... You know, this this film that's going to cost, you know, $50 million to make, and that's a modest-sized budget nowadays for, you know, a blockbuster film, is going to make back, you know, ten times the amount. It won't. It'll make back three times its money. 
which will be commercially successful, and that's it if you're lucky. Like, it's not going to set the world on fire. And so I think anyone, you know, using that as the reason for doing it is just, is just naive. Yeah, so really then what's going to happen is it will flop, and in a few years' time they'll be begging to come back to Universal, and then Bill and Taylor come back to... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it's just, it's sad that of all the years that I wouldn't be there, it would be this year. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 stupidly bad uh, hindsight, isn't it? Mm. An 80s-themed event, an official 80s-themed event doesn't have its biggest 80s IP. Mm. Like, it's most consistent 80s IP, at least. Um, yeah, just, just, just ludicrous. But you know, like even though we're we're saying that like the the overall theme of the event is going to be eighties, the more like we got a, a preview of some merch mm-hmm. today, and so we got a preview of the lanyard, and that is like at first I wasn't really feeling it because it's, it's pretty plain. It's a bit generic, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's got like the the pumpkins that we've seen in the um. In the in the Central Park scare zone, on their like kind of swashy weird pumpkins, and then we got a preview of the pass holder t-shirts too, which is the same pumpkin. And, and their pumpkin not pin. the right not the right pumpkin, is it? Let's be honest. There's only mm. one pumpkin they should have been using this year. Mm-hmm. And it ain't that one, but it's, I, it's I, David I, S. Pumpkins, I, by the way. Just in case like, anyone didn't get it. <laughs> like, you know, we love David S. Pumpkins. Like, so if you didn't get it, are you even a listener? But, <laughs> any questions? But I was kind of expecting that the... I know that that's not the, the regular generic merch that's going to go out and it's going everywhere. This this was just the pass holder t-shirt. The lanyard is the, is the lanyard, though, that everyone will get. But I was expecting an 80s-themed lanyard. Like, was that naive of me to expect that? Well, it's, it's, it's not it's not great, is it? Let's be honest, from a thematic point of view. No, like, I just kind of felt like, I, like, are you making, are you making this scare zone the kind of bone daddy of Halloween Horror Nights 28? Like... Is that what's happening? It's like I don't know because realistically, I like I don't know. I don't know what I was actually expecting. Maybe something like, like with a vampire five kind of, kind of style to it, like a little bit neony. Eighties, uh, eighties to me screams neon. Yeah, like I was thinking neon and like bright colours and you know, splash some blood on it wherever. Or have like stranger things on it. <laughs> I don't know. Like oh. I don't know if that'd be allowed, but like or something, you know, that's not actually stranger things but has a stranger things kind of vibe. I've got to be honest, as as good and as big as Stranger Things is, there's so much merch out there already. Does anyone really care that much that 
like their Stranger Things t-shirt also says Universal Halloween Horror Nights on it. Well, not even the t-shirt. Like I, I'm, I'm sure that there will be Stranger Things t-shirts, and I'm sure that there'll be a trick or treat t-shirt and blah blah blah. But I'm thinking more of the lanyard, oh. like to like these pumpkins are the ones that are in like the Harvest and Twisted tradition, and I'm like, is is that? Is that what you're saying that the theme is? Because I thought the theme was eighties. Did you did you know like well someone pointed out on the, the pass on a t shirt that there's some what looks to be like VHS lines mm-hmm. in the design. Now yeah. I kind of like you know, you have to really squint to see it. And I'm not entirely convinced that's what they were going for. Well, I have a theory about all this, but I'll have to tell you off, uh, off, off mic. Otherwise, I'll, I'll get sued. Well, I'm excited <laughs> about that, but like, I have, I have no doubt that we're going to get the regular, the regular um, Halloween Horror Nights T-shirt that'll have all the houses on the back and blah blah. blah. Yeah. And I expect that that'll have an '80s vibe to it. I also expect that we'll get T-shirts of IPs that are going to be at the events, like we have in previous years. But I like I was just expecting. Like I love my Halloween Horror Nights twenty five lanyard. That's my favorite lanyard. Me too. Like I wear that every on every trip. Like I really like previous years, like the the Sweet Sixteen one, which was just plain and black, and it just had the Halloween Horror Nights logo on, and the Sweet Sixteen bit was a little bit fancier. I like ones like that. I wasn't a massive fan of the Chance one. I still bought it. I didn't buy one at all last year. No. No, neither did I. No, and I thought that, like, I have one from pretty much every year that I've been to, but I just felt like didn't really want it, and I kind of, I feel a little bit about this one. I think it's it's cool. I like pumpkins and everything, but I was just expecting it to tie in with the 80s theme, and it doesn't. But other than the lanyards and the T-shirts and Academy of Villains, which I'm super excited about, like, I adore Academy of Villains, and I can't wait to see their show we had some announcements so we had an original announcement which is one that i was really really excited about on previous episodes and when i did my little like chatty video because we'd heard that it was going to be like an alien themed house or some kind of some kind of alien or extraterrestrial or whatever kind of theme and then when we got the announcement it was it's called seeds of extinction and it's plants alien plants kind of and i mean when i saw it i was like um this just makes me think of a little shop of horrors it makes me think of a uh, Colin Baker serial called Terror of the Verboids from Doctor Who. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't seen that, but I'm sure that many of our listeners have. Because I think, <laughs> I believe that Doctor Who is very big, but I've never seen it. So, um, there's that. But, I mean, it also kind of made me, like, I've got a Venus flytrap. And... You know, I think of Little Shop of Horrors whenever I look at my Venus flytrap. But I'm just imagining, like, giant Venus flytraps trying to, like, snap at me. Or, like, you know, when you're playing Mario Kart and then the big, like, red plants try and eat you. 
when you're like going around corners, like they like they'll pop out of the little flower pot and try and get you. That's what I think. I know that's not going to be that, but that's kind of the image that I have in my head when I think about this house. So this is going to be like um, a meteor hits Earth, and then these like human-eating plants have kind of taken over the Earth. And there's a picture on the website of um, one of the costume designers painting a mask. And it looks really creepy. I wouldn't say that it looks like a plant. But I assume it's going to be a part of a plant in some way. I think this is going to be a very interesting house. Because I don't really know what to expect from it. Like, part of me feels like is the, you know, the, the vine lady that's on stilts at Animal Kingdom and she hides in the bushes yeah like i'm kind of thinking things like that will be in the house but scarier i mean she's pretty scary if you're not expecting her but like i'm kind of imagining things like that but then they also have posted like little nods to other houses and other things that have been at horror nights that are going to be inside the house things that usually you would see on a um an unmasking the horror tour They've actually put pictures up on the website of. So things like um, one of the the prospectors from Ghost Town. It's my gold. Yes. So he's on a, on like a sign on one of on a shop door called Lightning Gulp. Oh, so you did that. Uh huh. And like that looks cool. So you know you might not notice that when you're walking through but then they have a jack and eddie's sunwear sunglasses shop and then they have a cj mcpherson's home security so like these are things that like like i say usually you'd see on an unmask in the horror tour but they for some reason taken pictures of them and post them on the website for you to look out for so i imagine this is going to be like a town that we're going through and we're just going to be attacked by plants, alien <laughs> plants. But when, like, you know, when I when we first heard, like, Alien House, I was very much imagining aliens and that we were going to be in space. And I was very down for that. So I'm unsure about how I feel about this. I think it's going to be cool. And I think that the sets are going to be fantastic. Is it in one of the sprung tents? It is. Yes, it's probably going to be in... Um the claustrophobic one that has the the houses that are really tight and narrow oh wait a second or is it in the parade building let me see let me see let me see you know it's in a parade building it's in the parade building oh interesting choice Mm -hmm. i would have put it in um you know what that sprung tent that had uh what was it called um the uh uh scarecrow house in last year well those ones are apparently going to be dead exposure and slaughter cinema i think the oh. scarecrow one is slaughter cinema i would have put slaughter cinema in the parade building but... i mean maybe that's what's going to happen mm. like this this is just from um the speculation map so um, like it could be wrong i don't know but um according to that this is going to be in the parade building. All right. So I'm uh, I'm curious about this one. I think it's going to be cool, but not what I 
not what I expected, but I feel like whenever a house is like that, it turns out to be one of my favourite ones. Mm. So I'm excited. But then we had a the annual leak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So usually it's like Publix or something like that that puts a sign out. This year it was what was was it a Hilton? A Clarion? Clarion. Oh, Clarion. So I don't know if there's like a mix up with the date that they were supposed to do announcements or what, but basically someone was staying in a Clarion. And I think it was on a TV, they were showing an advert or something about how you could buy tickets in the hotel for Halloween Horror Nights. And there was two IP houses on that being advertised that had not yet been announced. And do you think they would have gotten trouble for this, Chris? Um, I would imagine in this occasion, probably not. But... Um... There has been a lot of trouble in the past and people, well, people don't really get fired, but they get reprimanded and hold over the coals over things. Hmm. Well, anyway, our IPs were Poltergeist and Halloween 4. And I believe, Chris, that you had told us Halloween 4 a very long time ago. I did, and I only told this podcast that. I didn't tell oh, anyone else. Oh, special. I but know. I think that was, probably, I want to say, like, May. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was originally on the cards it was going to be the Halloween that's going to be hitting cinemas at the end of this year. Um, but we don't know the exact reasons why that film is not going to be at Halloween Horror Nights. I have spoken to a few people. Some people say that they're really tight on leaks this year. Um, they don't. They, they want to build it up, build some anticipation. They don't want anything getting out at all. I mean, universe, I mean, let's be honest. Halloween Horror Nights has its leaks about its houses, which is usually about its content and things like that. But it's not really. They're not like leaking script details or stuff like that, are they? So, I, I don't think it's justified that this house would not come to Halloween Horror Nights. I think it should be there. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to get a meeting with a uh, carpenter. I mean, I'm going to see John Carpenter in October. Are you? I am. In concert? In concert. I'm not going to date with him or anything. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, I mean... I think he's I'm, a little bit too old for me. I nearly got an interview with him once. Oh, so what? Close. So close. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I think it didn't work out. But, I mean, he doesn't really like interviews anyway. But there's some people have said to me that he's the main reason behind it not being there this year. Well, I personally, Chris, if you was going to interview a carpenter, I would have opted for either Harrison Ford or Jesus. But um, that's just me. Wow. They're both carpenters. Uh, <laughs> well, carpenter clearly dead. Yeah. But uh, another carpenter, Chris, absolutely. Um, there's something I want to add to this, which only mm-hmm. just broke uh, within the last few hours before we went to record this episode. And that is something interesting that was quickly taken off of Twitter. Somebody asked uh, Jason Bloom about a sequel to the Halloween film that's about to come out. 
mm-hmm. and he said he made a comment about no no present plans. I can't remember what the exact quote was, but it's been deleted now. Uh, but it's been picked up. Uh, basically, uh, everyone's going, oh, the, the Halloween, you know, the follow up to Halloween's, uh, you know, not moving ahead. Now, when um, it was originally proposed, it was going to be at least two films. And then it was kind of reduced down to one. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the door being left open for a follow up. But that kind of suggests that maybe they're not very hot on it. I don't, you know, to, to, to turn around and say that before the films come out is a little bit odd. I know <laughs> there's been a lot of stuff recently where it's gone the other way, like, you know, look at the Dark Universe or um, look at the King Arthur film that came out last year or the Power Rangers, where they announced this has been the first instalment of a five, six, seven film franchise. And then those films died a death at the box office. And so those plans were obviously changed. Maybe it has something to do with Carpenter again. Possibly. But one thing I will say to you is when it comes to Bloomhouse, tell me a Bloomhouse film that has not had a sequel. Get out. No, no, seriously. Which, which, which <laughs> one? <laughs> but do you know what oh, I mean? Nearly all that. of his films have bloody sequels, don't they? Well, yeah. you know, some, like one of my all-time favourite horror films is The Town That Dreaded Sundown and Blumhouse did the kind of requel to that. Okay. And that requel doesn't have a sequel. Gosh, she's getting really meta now. I am, I am. <laughs> like, I'm just, Surely I'm the original film is the sequel to the requel. But Blumhouse didn't do that one. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, personally, that's, like, the top. Well, I mean, like, The Crow's my top. But it's in my top five of things that I'd love to see at Halloween Horror Nights. So I'm hoping that we keep building this relationship with Blumhouse and then we're going to see things like Town That Dreaded Sundown, even if it is the requel. I'd be down for that. I've never, I mean, I've, 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 the only time I've ever heard that film is you mentioning it. I mean, well, I've never seen it. At this stage, oh, at this stage, this film is as realistic to me as that genie film starring Sinbad. <laughs> you need to watch it because it's like the original. Hang on, which one? Yet. Which one? The genie film with Sinbad or this film you made up? Because now Both. I'm confused. Okay. Both of them. <laughs> but like, I'll come back to Halloween for and Politics in a second. But speaking of Bumhouse. And I don't, I could be completely, completely wrong here, and everyone could be laughing at me like, shut up, Amanda, never gonna happen. I truly believe that we, we are gonna see some of the new Halloween film in the Blumhouse house, which is yet to be announced. Well, that's my speculation. I mean, I, I've been saying that for a while. I think they would be um, crazy not to have some kind of room or two rooms to, to act as a teaser for the film. They did it last like, year. I honestly with... believe it. Well, did, didn't they do it last year with Happy Death Day? With Insidious. With Insidious, yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. they, and with Saw. Did, did they not do it with, de- I thought they did it with Death Day at uh, Hollywood. I think that Happy Death Day was mm. already out, or it was coming out at the same time. I think it okay. came out in the same month, yeah. Right, okay, okay. But, I mean, Halloween is going to be out in October, and so they wouldn't have to give... The, much of the story away but if we could i i really do believe that it's going to be in there even if it's just a little bit like i i think it'd be silly not to and i just 
really, really believe it. They and could, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but they, I think I'm right. They could repurpose the Ouija set from last year that they used for the Purge and just stick Michael Myers in there. Why not? Because it made you know that made as much sense to the Purge as that would do this year for Halloween. Do it. <laughs> I mean, even if they just had like a scene and it was like as you're and and this is this is silly and this is just Amanda's brain but even if just the last section of the house where you're walking out you've got Michael Myers in his new mask or even better you walk into the room thinking it's going to be Halloween and it's somebody wearing that Austin Powers Halloween mask from 20 years ago and someone just going oh behave uh, as you walk out could be that Perfect. Or, or even more meta, they're wearing the Michael Myers mask, but with the Captain Kirk uniform. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That is very meta. Insane. Heavy meta. Mm-hmm. Well, I do, I do honestly believe that's going to be in there. So, you know, you can, you can tell us that we were right after it's there. Buy us a beer to congratulate us on being right. But I do, like, joking aside, I do think it's going to be in there. And I think that I, I was very sad when the um, the trailer for the film came out and I was fully, fully expecting an announcement for the new Halloween house to be mm. at Halloween Heights. And, you know, I was sad that that didn't happen. But then after that, I kind of thought, okay, unless it's going to be in the Blumhouse house, I'm, I'm not holding my breath about being there. And then you'd told us on the podcast that it was going to be Halloween 4, which is going to be the actual house. And I'm excited about this. Is Halloween 4 good? Yeah. No, I mean, like, is, it, not... is it though? Well, I mean, I, I really, really love Halloween 2. I love Halloween 1 and I love Halloween 2. But I think Halloween 4 is a cool one. Yeah, but is it though? Yeah. Isn't it mostly Donald Pleasance just running around a lot in that film? Pretty much. <laughs> Excellent. But I, think, I mean, I do love him, but I think I think it's a it's not the worst of the Halloween franchise by miles. No, but that's that's saying quite a lot. Um, there's not there's not many of the Halloween films that I'm like, eh, not really not really feeling that one. I like an awful lot of the Halloween films. I like Halloween H two O. Oh, well, I like then, Halloween 3. <laughs> your, your opinion is null and void. Sorry. <laughs> I, um, like, I like almost all Halloween films, basically. But I think that, to be honest, like, to us, and I said this on the last few episodes too, but just to reiterate my point on it, I think actual Halloween franchise fans will appreciate it as being Halloween 4. I think the general population who just know that it's Michael Myers will just know that it's a Halloween film. They won't care which Halloween film it is. They'll just know that that's Michael Myers. And that's why Halloween 3 wouldn't have worked if they did Halloween 3. So, to the other IP that they announced or was leaked by accident, um, I've got to be honest, I know more... I've never seen Poltergeist. I don't think I've seen Halloween. To be honest, I've never really been a massive Halloween... uh, massive horror film... Fans, there's a lot of horror films that I haven't seen, but I like Poltergeist seemed to be one of those films that was always ingrained in pop culture in the same way The Shining was. So, mm-hmm. although I've never seen it, I know enough about it, and I obviously know about you know they're here and that kind of stuff. So, it's one of those things that 
I'm very aware of consciously, but is it going to work as a as a, a maze? Well, I think we we spoke about this before, Chris, where we were like, we we feel like it's definitely going to have like an exorcist kind of vibe. Well, I mean, I watched it the other day. I mean, the last fifteen minutes of the film is basically the house, right? I mean, there's lots of large set pieces and props and ghoulies and monsters and things that happen at the end of the film. The whole duration of the film, main duration of the film, is mostly drama and exorcist-type settings and and scenes. So, you know, but I I mean, I watched it the other day. Oh, my God, is it so Spielberg? (laughs) Well, I mean, the the heavy rumour, of course, is that it ended up being directed by Spielberg. Oh, he did. There's no doubt. It's so Spielberg. I mean, it's like watching E.T. or Jurassic Park. It is literally Spielberg all over it. Is it not scary, though? Because, I mean, those films aren't particularly scary, are they? What? No. I mean, I mean it is, like, yeah, it's scary. <laughs> I would imagine the last 15 minutes was probably the bit he didn't direct, and that's when it gets scary. Right. Okay. I'm going to have to watch it now. It's, it's very Toby Hooper. It does feel a lot like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The rest of the film does not. It, it's very Spielberg. It's very E.T. I, I mean, E.T. isn't that as scary. I was never really a fan of Texas Chainsaw. I mean, I just said about <laughs> not seeing a lot of horror films. Horror Sorry, the beer's getting into me. The horror films. But, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw is one that I have seen. And I thought it was good, but... Um, I thought, I don't know, I think because it's so grim. Yeah, it's a bit overhyped. I didn't, I didn't find it particularly scary. I just found it quite gory. I Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favourite horror films, but also one of the only films that genuinely makes me terrified. Like, it's very, very, very scary to me. And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house that we had, I'd say is in, like, my... Definitely top five scariest houses I've ever been in. Gosh. If not the scariest house, because Leatherface is giant. And that the scene in the film where he where he pulls open the metal door, seeing that in person in a house with a gigantic man coming out of that door was absolutely terrifying. Do they <laughs> do they have the scene with the butcher's hooks as well? Like that like it was it was behind the door, but I mean, one time after the hurricane, me and Ash went through with like two other people, and it was just us four in the entire house, and that was the Ooh. scariest time of my life. It was very, very, very scary, I especially mean, just... going up up to the upper level section of the house, like terrifying. I, I, those sprung tents, unless it's claustrophobic that they're going after, I don't find them as, uh, as, as good as what the other locations are when they create haunted houses in them. I feel, I feel a mixture with it because I feel like, I think it's definitely very scary to be in, in a smaller environment. And things like when we've had Halloween in a tent, I think Halloween's worked very well in a tent. I think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre worked very well in a tent. And But then when I think of things like American Horror Story 
and The Shining and how big everything mm. was. Would, like I like I like both I like both sides of it. Do you remember Texas Chainsaw in in two thousand and seven when it was in the earthquake queue? Mm-hmm. There was lots of space for him to run after you. Mm-hmm. Had all those sheets hanging from washing lines. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a, a much better way of doing that house than the sprung tent. I don't know. Like the 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 tent was definitely. And especially that one night was the scariest night that I've ever had at Halloween Horror Night. And whenever I think, whenever anyone asks me, what, like, what's one house that's really, really scared? Or what's one time that you've actually been genuinely really, really scared? It's always that that time in that house. Golly. It was very, very terrifying. And I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a very, very scary film. But also, I think it is one of the best horror films, in my personal opinion. Other people like different things, and I think I'm I'm weird with horror. Like I don't I don't like things like Hostel or Saw. No, I, I'm not a fan of them. Like, like I really really like them. No, like I mean I think I've probably seen maybe two or three of the Saw films, but I've never really been super into them. But I just I don't like I I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it makes me like I mean I like it and I don't like it. It makes me feel scared. But scared in it, the chances of this happening to me are pretty slim, but could still happen. But then I look at things like Hostel and Saw, and I'm like, I mean, it's still pretty slim that's going to happen to me, but that's more likely to happen to me than Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I don't, it makes me feel uneasy. But then things like The Purge, like, I think The Purge gets a, a lot of unnecessary flack. I think The Purge is a, you know, they're a good set of films. And I think they're scary because that could genuinely happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to see the the first Purge, and that was my first Purge film I'd seen. Um, and I think, I, I, mean, I didn't find it scary, but I found the concept of it scary, if that makes sense. I didn't find yeah. the film that scary, but the fact that it is a reflection on society in a way that, you know, that it could well happen. As ludicrous exactly. as it, it may seem, the way the world is going and people watching the world burn, it could could be a thing. Um, so yeah, so I I, I, I get what why that can unnerve people, but I wouldn't say it's particularly scary. With the, with like Saw, the, the first Saw film really is a thriller. It's not really a horror mm-hmm. film. Um, I've seen the first three Saw films and I checked out just because it just seemed to be right. How can we do something as gruesome as possible? That's what I hate mm-hmm. about that house. That house did not scare me last year. It just made me feel a bit sick. Well, that, that sort of house last year, I only went through one time. And yeah. I think that's probably one of the only times in all of the 16 years that I've been going to Halloween Horror Nights that I've only been through a house one time. Yeah, I, we, I think we only went through it once because um, I just didn't want to go back. But again, it wasn't because I was scared of it. I just didn't like it. No, I mean, I think if it would have had a smaller queue, mm. I would potentially have gone... Because I, I never think that anything is a terrible house. Like, I'd never say, oh, that's that's absolute rubbish. Like, I mean, I didn't really love Chance's house, but, I, like, I did that more than once. But I think a house that I'm not super, super into mixed with a giant queue. And this is my worry as well, is that, if 
Halloween 4 is going to be in the same place that Saw was, which is the Shrek building. Mm-hmm. Is that going to have the same problem? Maybe. Mm, possibly. I mean, last time that we had had Halloween, it was near the back of the park. So if this is good, like, I don't really think that everybody loves Saw, but I think, and I, I said this when I was doing my, like, review episode of last year, that I think the combination of it being at the front of the park and that Saw is, I guess, quite popular with a younger audience. Mm. Like, in the way that we all love things like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Nightmare on Elm Street and things like that, this this is, like the horror of this generation it's things like so well i mean it's not really horrible that's what that's what they like a younger audience would be like oh yeah that's a really scary film yeah and so they associate with saw and so they'll they'll know of saw they've seen it and so it just had a very unnecessarily long line every night Mm. So I was less inclined to wait for it. But then I think things like Poltergeist, like I've been really loving the last few years where we've had things like The Shining and Exorcist and now we've got Poltergeist. Like I'm I'm loving this kind of classic vibe and it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's my cup of tea. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely into it. I'm definitely excited to see how they're going to do Poltergeist in the exact same way that I was excited to see how they were going to do Exorcist. I definitely do think it'll be the same kind of vibe. I think that'll be very scary. I'm excited to see if they'll do the face peeling, which I imagine that they will do. Well, they're definitely doing it in Hollywood because John Murdy said that they've spent ages trying to perfect that. Oh... Oh, what was it? Oh, when they did the the panel at um, Midsummer Scream, mm. and they were talking about how they're gonna do the um, in Stranger Things, where they have the kind of like in the in the upside down, they have like the ash falling. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to perfect how they were gonna do that, and he'd said how they were doing it was like fiber optic, um. I don't know what I don't know what it's called, like the the fiber optic string type type of things with like tiny tiny pieces of cotton on the end of it, and that's how they're going to kind of simulate the ash falling. And I was like, that's freaking so cool. Mm, it's clever, isn't it? Yeah, like I really I love hearing how they do things like that. And that's so I could listen to John Murdy or Michael or anybody from the creative teams talking all day about how they do things, like things that you're going to walk past for thirty seconds. And so much time and effort goes into it, and so many they test so many different ways of doing it. I just love to hear about that all day. I think it's super, super interesting. But I'm definitely excited to see how they're going to do this one. And I think, I mean, still the top, the top house that I'm excited about is definitely still Slaughter Cinema. I think that's going to be my absolute number one. But then things like. You know, any of the IP houses, I'm always excited to go into them because I can experience the film in real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that they've announced all the IPs, how many houses... Have they announced all the houses now? 
That revealed all the houses, mm, didn't it? No, Bloom, Bloom House hasn't been announced yet, has it? Oh, that's true. Not, <laughs> not officially. So, I mean, it's almost guaranteed we're not getting Halloween... Uh, not getting Halloween. We're not getting American Horror Stories, which we had kind of discussed on here as being a possibility. I don't think we're going to get that. Is anyone sad we're not going to get American Horror Stories? Do we think it's going to come back next year? I mean, well, I'm sad. I, I've got a horrible, horrible feeling about this. Oh. Right. I'll put it to you this way. American Horror Story, FX, Fox, oh. Disney. Um, okay, there's an argument that Disney could still carry on running Fox as it's run because it's profitable, but would they be handing characters on a plate to their rival in Orlando and Hollywood? Don't know. But also, the other problem they've got now is if all of the Fox products become off the table, um, I mean, Disney may sell the products they don't want, I don't know, but if they come off the table and Disney holds on to them, you've also got an issue now where Warner Brothers, via their Burbank studio, is trying to compete with Halloween Horror Nights. If Warner Brothers also mm-hmm. starts taking their characters off the table... That limits the houses that Universal can do massively because for many years they've relied on the Warner Brother franchises. So I'm quite concerned for the future because that only leaves you with um, sort of MGM products and uh, you know independent studios and and then obviously stuff that Universals themselves are doing. So I'm a little bit nervous when it comes to Fox. And now with Warner Brothers, because I don't know if they're going to be houses of the future or not. But, I mean, we've, and again, so we talked about, could we see a potential uh, revisit of the Oswald situation? In uh, what could, you could find, uh, Siri's definitely not going to be able to answer this one, is, no. <laughs> is you know, could if this all goes through as we expect it to and everything works out the way it does, could Disney turn around to Universal next year and say, right, you've got The Simpsons and you want to have some of these IPs for Halloween Horror Nights you've had before. Now we kind of have all the cards. So what about giving us back the uh, theme park rights to Marvel? That that will never happen um, because it's just too much of a money spinner. But what could happen is Disney could sell the products that they feel do not fit within their business plan. So basically anything that's rated R and above. So any of the franchises that Fox Mm. has, they could potentially put on the market for sale and Universal could buy them. Well, would would Universal have signed a more than two year contract with FX for American Horror Story. Um, if it's in Hollywood this year, then yes. If it's not, then maybe not. Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sad because I'd really like to see, like like we said last time, Nick, full houses for each season. Uh, and by I the way, not, not Full House as in the American cheesy sitcom. 
Yeah, no, not not no, that kind of no. full house. But like an entire murder house house or an entire asylum house. And I don't know if that's something they'd ever do because as far as they're concerned, they've they've already done those houses, albeit in a kind of mashup. But with things like the new season of American Horror Story coming out, I'd like to see that turned into a house. But if they've not signed that that long of a deal, then what you're saying makes sense, Chris. Mm. Well, it does worry me, particularly the Warner Brothers side of things, because Warner Brothers, um, when they bought New Line Cinema um, and their, you know, standing back catalogue of things, that means that they own quite a large chunk of very relevant modern horror franchises. I mean, this year, for example, are there any IPs from Warner Brothers at Halloween Horror Nights? Um. There was one, I don't remember what... Oh, Trick or Treat. Now, that's legendary. But it, when... Was it released under Warner? Or I what? think so, because when we were we were looking at some um, films that Warner Brothers own in the last episode, and I was like, wow, like, this is everything. Hmm. <laughs> So I don't know whether it just got released on them, but that came up on the list. Well, Legendary is now in partnership with Universal, but there's one way to find out. is to read the terms and conditions to see whether it's got a trademark for um, Warners. Let's have a look. Mm. No. 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 There's no Warner Brothers products at Universal, at uh, Heaven Horror Nights Orlando this year. But they do own an awful lot of of films. Well, it's it, I, it makes me nervous because if if Warner Brothers keeps all the cards and Fox keeps all the cards, what does that leave Universal with? I mean, I don't like we we said this in the last one too that I don't know whether it would impact Orlando in a massive way. Because Orlando is very good at doing original houses, but I think out of the out of Orlando and Hollywood, I think it would definitely hurt Hollywood more. Well, definitely, yeah, because obviously they're also physically competing with that Burbank studio because they mm-hmm. are literally, I would imagine, uh, with no traffic, a ten minute drive between the two of them. Uh huh. Exactly. So I think that they would definitely suffer more than Orlando would, but I think that with the, with the amount of things that Warner Brothers owns, you know, even things like The Conjuring films. Like, we'll never get to see The Conjuring. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> but, you know, there's things like that, things that, you know, you might not necessarily think Warner Brothers own. They do. And it's like, we've all been desperate to see it at the event. And why are we just never going to see it now? Yeah, because that comes under Warner Brothers, isn't it? Yeah, and that's at their Burbank studio this year. But again, like, you know, this is what I was saying on the last show. Like to me, Warner Brothers are competing with Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood. Is Orlando a threat because it's the other coast? And despite what Amanda will, will think, I don't think that many people are going to jump on a plane that are on the East Coast to go and visit the West Coast. 
I think you're right. How many people actually do both coasts every year? It's got to be, what, less than 10% of the crowd? At least. I'd say, anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's no... You know, we haven't got official stats for that, but I... it's It's a big task. It's a big task. Because domestic flights aren't particularly cheap you know if if we were flying over you know and amanda you're there for what two weeks in october three three weeks so the thing is even if you spent two weeks in orlando and a, and a week in la you know a domestic flight from orlando to to hollywood is going to add quite a substantial amount to your your overall holiday cost than if you just spent three weeks in orlando Amanda and I were going to do it, oh, Amanda. She talked we about that last, on the last show as well. <laughs> um, but but mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't think, as Chris said, I think it's going to be a very small percentage. And so what I was saying on the last show was, it to me, would seem very naive for Warner to turn around to Universal and break that long-standing working relationship they've had. Because the thing is, even stuff like Beetlejuice, which was there for donkey's years, was Warner Brothers or is Warner Brothers? Well, they've been a good partner because all of I mean. the Harry Potter stuff is, is is you know come about because of Warner's. And last year, you know, um, The Shining that only came about because of their relationship with Warner Brothers. Yeah. So the thing is, to me, I still think there's scope to do it. Now, what you were saying about Disney and Fox is interesting. Like, you're quite right in that a lot of the stuff, especially like the FX side of things is quite R-rated, and Disney kind of distanced themselves from that for quite a while. But if you look back at the 80s and 90s, you had Touchstone Pictures, you had uh, Miramax, um, which were kind of seen as like the adult arms of Disney. Maybe they've realised that they need to expand more. They don't have to call it Disney, they don't even have to reference it as such, but they can still kind of get that income coming in without dirtying the Disney brand in a way. So I'm not sure how, how eager they're going to be to sell some of this stuff. I think the, I would say that I would disagree with you there only because yesterday I went and watched Ant-Man and I stayed to the very, very end of the credits. I'm sorry. We were all promised something interesting and it wasn't. But <laughs> I stayed till the end of the credits. Yeah, me too. And what was quite surprising about the actual credits themselves, because I did study them, was the fact that actually when you drill down and look at it, the Marvel brand is essentially just creating these films. When you look at all of the marketing, all of the distribution, all of the licensing, it was all Disney, Disney, Disney. Mm. So if they're going to have Disney doing all of the background operation, but the face of it is Marvel, and that is just the face and the production is just Marvel... And the same with Lucas, and the same with Pixar. Then they're obviously doing it to to to, to stop duplication of having you know ten marketing managers when they can have one that does the whole group of companies. Mm. So if they take that attitude to Fox, there's going to be redundancies, isn't there? There's going to be people walking out the door. And does that mean that IPs within the Fox brand do not fit the Disney brand? Yeah. Well, I, I, I do think there's legs. I'm not saying that I, I don't think that it's... It, we're not going to see that. But I just... I don't know. I just... I think they'd be losing out a lot and potentially selling some quite big 
you know, options that they've got by doing that. What's interesting, mm. though, on that is that this, well, sorry, not Disney, Marvel put the brakes on the Deadpool animated series at FX that Donald Glover was going to do. So at first, when that was kind of announced and then quickly cancelled, people assumed that FX had changed their mind. But it later turned out it was Marvel that actually put the brakes on the project. Really? Now, this was obviously pre-deal um, by a few months. So, you know, you, you're not in, entirely sure what the the thing was, but that was interesting to me that Marvel were the ones that said no to Deadpool on TV whilst Fox were allowed to make the films. Mm. I mean, that is interesting. I mean, I personally, although I think that's what Disney will do, I don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do. I, I mean, Fox is a is a highly profitable business in its own right. Why would you, as a as the new owner of that company, wish to come in and alter everything? Surely, if things are making money, just rebrand it, get rid of the name Fox, call it something else, and have it running as a separate entity, making its own money, doing its own decisions, and using the IPs that it owns. Mm. Surely that would be the best option. Yeah. I mean, all right, you're going to get duplication. You're not going to have efficiencies, but does it matter if it's making loads of money? Yeah. Hmm. No. No, I guess not. I mean, the, the other interesting thing as well, the last thing I will say very quickly, was in the last 12 months, the theme park division has revenues of over $22 billion. Well, that's wow. like That's like, what, 10 Infinity Wars? <laughs> Wow. So, actually, should they be concentrating their efforts more on the theme parks? But, yeah, it's a different argument altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we will definitely save that argument for another episode. Because I'm interested. I like, I love listening to you guys talk about things like that. Which next... I don't have, like, I don't have much knowledge of. On the next Universe After Dark... Chris and Nick will be talking about the EBITDA <laughs> of uh, both Disney, Universal, and Warner and the impact that will have on Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, um, <laughs> EBITDA, I've got one of them on my wrist. It tells me what my heart rate is. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that's what it was, believe me. Oh, God, that word upsets me. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there anything else that you guys want to throw in really quickly? Because I'm very conscious this is a very, very long episode. It's nowhere near our longest. I mean, but like, me, to, me and you have been on the call for three hours. So to, to paraphrase, Gosh. to paraphrase Vincent, sorry, not Vincent Price, Michael Jackson in, in Thriller, it is close to midnight. Not close enough, unfortunately. It's quarter past by the time we're recording this, but it's a podcast. No one knows what time we're recording it, but it's late. It's um, really late. May, maybe that's enough. So maybe we'll have to leave your uh, your other idea, Amanda, for the next show. Yes, we will definitely cover that on the next show because it's an interesting one. Um, but hopefully by the next time that we record an episode, we'll have a minimum of one more Halloween Horror Nights announcement. And I will be one step closer to staying in my eagerly anticipated and beloved Aventura. So, on I believe the next actual is After Dark that we record, we're going to have a review from Luke because Luke... The reason that he's not on the show tonight is because he's at opener night of Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. So jelly. Me too. I was like, please save me some candies. But is it raining? 
Um, I don't think so so far, but there's still time. It rains every every time. Can I just point it out in case we didn't already announce this? It's the seventeenth of August. Is the opening night of Halloween of Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween? Yes. I mean, it's just too early, and I mean, we all love Halloween on this podcast, but come on, man. I have my house decorated for Halloween every day of the year. Yeah, but so it's never too early for me. That's because you're Lydia from Beetlejuice. I'm not that, saying. That's true. <laughs> but I want everywhere to be decorated like Halloween all year, so August is not too early for me. Did you see that uh, Disney Imagineer that pitched a layover of uh, Haunted Mansion as Beetlejuice? I saw you repost it, and I was like, "This is like my absolute." Oh my god! Trip. Wouldn't that be an amazing house or so ride? Rich. Somebody has spread a very vicious rumor on on Twitter to, uh, yesterday that the current refurb of Phantom Man in Disneyland Paris uh, will have, uh, and there's a photo of um, an, an, an audio animatronic of Eddie Murphy from the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, now I'm, I'm not just... buying that at all. There is no, no, I, I just, no. No, 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 all the no's. I'll burn it down. It's true. They can use this in the court case when, <laughs> when the Phantom Manor, after it reopens, mysteriously burns down. They'll be able to reflect back to this podcast and go, well, he just admitted to it. Wow. Did they, <laughs> did they bring Vincent Price back to it? At, what, so the refurb is happening now. It yeah. was due to be finished in time for Halloween and has now been pushed back until early 2019, which oh my is God. expected they got... to be around February. Apparently, it's a proper extensive refurb. No, 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 Nick. They've got the builders from the Spurs Stadium doing it. I <laughs> I'm really interested to see what they're doing. I mean, I imagine we're going to see a lot of updated effects, but what they said was it would be incorporated. So I didn't see that as it being a replacement, but I imagine what they'll do is they'll splice the French audio with the Vincent Price audio. Which, yeah, I, they should. which I think is fine. I don't mind, you know, half and half or whatever. Um, I I remember it, and I it was good. And I mean, you can find the audio of it on on YouTube or whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's Vincent Price. It was it was amazing. Um, I think they jumped the gun a little bit too early on that one. They pulled the trigger on it not being French enough after a few months. Um, so I think it's good that it's coming back. But they should reinstate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the it was. Well, it was the last thing he did before he died, wasn't Literally it? Literally the last project he worked on before he died, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Edward Scissorhands, I think, was the year before he died. Or, or the year that he died. But it, it came out before he died, I'm sure. Um, and he worked, he worked on the recording of that after Edward Scissorhands, apparently. So, yeah, I believe it is the, work, the last acting role he did. So, for that reason. I mean, he's laughs in the ride. And has always been in the ride. Um, but, yeah, to hear the proper monologue would be uh, would be very good. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But we'll talk about that on after, I'm sure, in more detail. Or probably not. We'll probably forget by the time we actually record the bloody episode. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. But before we go into an, an hour-long conversation about Disneyland Paris, which I'm sure <laughs> that we, we are more likely to do if we try and stay awake, we will see you guys in the next episode. Please, please, please go and watch Luke's latest video because he went and did a VIP coaster tour at Bush Gardens and he, the absolute crazy person, climbed onto the top of Shikra. 
Like with permission, oh. like just with, to with point permission. out. Yeah. <laughs> so it was part of the tour. So they, they took them to the very, very tippy top of Shikra and it Is was that the technical term? Yeah, that's the tippy technical top. Term. Oh. <laughs> and there's, there's so much cool information about roller coasters and so if you're a roller coaster fan and even if you're not a roller coaster fan it's just a super cool video and i don't know if many people that would ever get that experience so please go and watch it if you search for does after dark or the after dark podcast network or you go onto any of our twitter accounts or our facebook page there's there's links all over for it it's an absolutely incredible video and it's honestly probably my favorite video that luke's ever brought out it's probably my favourite video on YouTube right now, actually. It's very, very, very interesting. So please go and watch that. Luke will also have very exciting videos from his last few days. It's like he's been on a UK holiday the last few days. He's been to Universal, been to Bush Gardens, he's at Disney Today. So plenty of content going out there. And I've got some on my channel too. So in search for either of us, Luke's After Dark Podcast Network or Just After Dark, mine, Boston White. And we will see you guys on the next episode, which will be a keep, replace, or refurb. And that'll be fun. See you next time. Bye. Uh, as long as I'm saying anything, uh, please go and listen to Discover DLP and, and deserve that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> Bye. Bye, kiss the book. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we got the plug in. <laughs> Uh. Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? (laughs) Well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash after dark network here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do the other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash dis after dark that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash dis after dark any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the after dark network on behalf of the other after dark podcast network hosts We thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support.